James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. We'll take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Thank you, Jenny. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be here with you this morning. I was away last week uh, hiking in Tasmania on an epic hiking adventure with uh, my extended family, nine of us, uh, trekking through the wilderness for six days. It was a a great time, Uh, but it is great to be back with you, to be opening God's Word and to be sharing in this time together. Um, I hope you've got a Bible uh, open. We won't have the passage uh, coming up on the on the screen uh, so much this morning. So it'd be really helpful to be able to see a uh, copy of the Bible and uh, there's an outline there for where we're going. Uh, after Ben's fabulous kids talk, I almost feel like I could just sit down and that was uh, kind of captured it for us. But let's uh, take some time to uh, to ponder this uh, this hard hitting part of God's word and uh, and uh, see what God needs to teach us. Let's pray and ask for his help as we do this. Our Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time now. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Father, please speak to our hearts, our consciences. Please shape us by your spirit through your word according to your will. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Really? It's a, a proverb that we, uh, we're taught as children, and I guess it's an attempt to kind of develop resilience against name-calling. Uh, it's a nice idea, but of course it's completely untrue. Uh, here's one that I think is perhaps a little, a little closer to the mark. Sticks and stones may break my bones, But words will make me go in a corner and cry by myself for hours. (laughs) 
Words may not break bones, but they can do much more serious and lasting damage than sticks and stones. Uh, The wounds that words cause can stay with us for years, perhaps even for the rest of our lives. Words can certainly hurt us. Uh, The trouble with words is that that once they're out, once they're said, you you can't put them back. You can't make them become unsaid. They're they're out there. They've been said. I've, I've heard that words are a bit like toothpaste. Now, once it's out of the tube... You can't put it back. Have you ever tried to put toothpaste back in a... It doesn't work. Words that are said, they're out there. And they can be powerful and they can be harmful. How we use our tongues matters. And it matters to God. And we see this in this morning's Bible passage from James chapter 3. Our tongues are powerful and they're dangerous. Uh, Firstly, James addresses uh, teachers... He speaks to those who teach and those who use their tongue in that way. He says, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Uh, I've got to say, this is a sobering verse for a preacher, for a teacher such as myself, uh, and for all of us, how we live, how we speak, it matters and we'll be judged accordingly. And for those who teach God's word, we lead and we influence others. Uh, a teacher, in this sense, is not just someone who conveys ideas. They're, they're a leader. They're a shepherd of God's people as they teach God's word, as they model God's word. And that's something that's done in relationship with those they teach. Teaching is a relational thing. And so in 1 Timothy 4, Paul says to Timothy, a young Christian leader, he says, set an example for the believers in, notice, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That's what a leader is to do. They're to set an example. And a few verses on, it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So those who teach God's word, they set an example to those they teach. And therefore, a teacher's failure affects not just themselves, but those they teach. It's a sobering truth. And you may consider that and think, well, why would anyone want to become a teacher of God's, of God's people? It's a fair question. And it's a question, though, that is answered uh, also in 1 Timothy, in chapter 3, where it says, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. That is, it's a noble thing to want to do, to oversee, to lead, to teach God's people. And so 1 Timothy 3 encourages people to to become teachers and overseers. But here James says we need to be cautious because teachers can do great damage if they're not up to the task. Teachers of God's word, well, they're given great, they're given power and they're given responsibility. They're given authority. And with great power comes great responsibility. To quote the great philosopher Uncle Ben from (laughs) Spider-Man, quite possibly someone else before him, with power comes responsibility. And that's an area that requires great caution because none of us are perfect in what we say. As verse 2 goes on to say, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See, how we speak 
It determines and it, and it reflects how we live. Our words guide and direct our whole lives. And that's something that James then goes on to, to illustrate. Uh, he illustrates this reality in three ways. Firstly, he speaks of, of horses in verse 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. A little bit of metal, appropriately named a bit, in the mouth of a horse can steer and turn the whole animal. Something small has a big effect. Likewise, secondly, verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. A massive ship can be manoeuvred by a relatively small rudder. And James's third illustration is a bushfire. End of verse 5. Uh, one small spark can start a massive and devastating fire. And these three illustrations describe the tongue. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Our tongues may be small, but the effect of their words is big and powerful. Like a bit steering a horse, like a rudder steering a ship, like a spark igniting a bushfire. Our tongues are powerful and they can also be destructive. I mean, this image of a bushfire, we in Australia know know about the destruction that bushfires bring. And James says that that's like the tongue. Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. They're strong words, aren't they? The tongue is a world of evil, it says. Well, the end of verse 8, it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Notice it's not just in harming others. I mean, we know that our words can can hurt others powerfully, but the destruction spoken of here is a a self-destruction, corrupting the whole body, setting the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. The raging bushfire of an uncontrollable tongue, a tongue that that lies, deceives, gossips, slanders, swears, criticises, tears down, envies, boasts, that consumes a person and anyone else in their path. And left to itself, it sets them on the path to hell under the judgment of God. The tongue is destructive. And the tongue is, notice, uncontrollable. Verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Kind of a depressing picture, isn't it? Can't tame the tongue, it says. But it's also a realistic picture. I mean, who here can say they have perfect control over their tongue? No human being can tame the tongue. And yet perhaps for us, we, well, you hear that and you think, well, no, shouldn't it be... The picture would be a little bit more constrained than a raging bushfire devouring everything in its path. Maybe, maybe we'd prefer something a little bit more balanced. Maybe you want to say, well, look, tongues are sometimes used for good and sometimes used for evil. They're kind of a mixture. It's true, but there's a word for that. 
It's called hypocrisy. Verse 9 calls it out. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. It's religious hypocrisy to stand in church with others on Sunday singing God's praises and then going home and slagging off about others, perhaps even those with whom we stood and sang. Verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Is this talking about you? Is your tongue uncontrolled? Is slander, gossip, angry outbursts, criticism, negativity, is that the character of your speech? If so, how do we change this? How do we hope to to tame our tongues or at least to control them a little more? Well, to do that, we need to go to the source. Verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt can salt spring, sorry, can a salt spring produce fresh water? What this is saying is, is are, are the words coming out of our mouths, well, are they are they praise or are they cursing? Are they fresh water or are they salt water? Well, that really depends on the source. Is the source a salt spring or a fresh water spring? So Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, he said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our, our mouths are a reflection. They're an overflow of our hearts. And so we need to attend to our hearts. What are you harboring? In your heart. A theme throughout this letter of James is, uh, is double-mindedness. It's, it's, it's having a foot in both camps. Uh, you, we'll see it next week in, in the next few verses. Uh, verse 14 warns against harbouring worldly wisdom of, of bitter envy and selfish ambition. And if, if you harbour that in your heart, that'll overflow in your words. On the other hand, if you harbour God's wisdom of, of being pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere, then if your heart's full of that, that'll overflow in your words. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so if you're struggling with an ungodly tongue, then examine your heart. Do you have a, a salt spring that needs dealing with? What's the cure for double-minded salt springness? Is it just try harder? Gonna pull up your moral socks, try and fake it better? No. Chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. God is gracious. He is compassionate. He is forgiving. Despite the the restless evil and deadly poison of our tongues, despite the, the salt spring of our own evil desire that drags us away, that entices us to sin, despite that, God is gracious and forgiving. He gives us a, a fresh start. Chapter 1 speaks of the new birth through the word of truth, through the gospel of Jesus that God gives us. He, he declares forgiveness of our sin including the sins of our tongues. Forgiveness through the death of his son, our Lord Jesus. See, God has has planted that word of truth, the gospel of Jesus. He's planted that in us and he calls on us to humbly accept it. To do that is, as said back in chapter 1, verse 21, to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Brothers and sisters, that the way of dealing with a double-minded salt spring heart is to humble ourselves and to come near to God. And he promises that he will come near to us. He'll wash our hands. He'll purify our hearts. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. We all stumble in many ways. Uh, I think we know that. If we don't, the Bible tells us, makes it very plain. I know that, that I, all too often I'm at fault in what I say. Too often my tongue reflects a heart that needs purifying. Uh, as one who is your teacher and pastor, if I have wronged you in things I've said... I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd pray for me, that I would watch my life, including my tongue and my doctrine closely. Because how we speak matters. That's a theme we see throughout the scriptures in lots of different places. How we speak matters. Just to give you two samples in Ephesians 4, it says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body, A few verses on, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Or Colossians 3 says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of of its creator. How we speak matters. We all stumble in many ways. What matters is that we come before God, that we ask him to forgive us for the sinful and hurtful things that we've said, that we ask him for a renewed spirit of self-control, that we would be slow to speak, slow to become angry, quick to listen. And that we come before God. And as we do that, that we thank him that he wants to change us. That he responds to us with forgiveness when we repent. 
And that as we draw near to him, that he draw nears to us. I think in response to God's word, the fitting thing to do is to come before him now and to pray. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are mindful of our sin, particularly the, the sins of our tongues, the things that we've said that we ought not to have said, the things that we haven't said that we ought to have said. Our Father, in your compassion and mercy, please forgive us. Please wash us. Please purify our hearts. Father, give us a renewed spirit of self-control that we would be slow to speak, slow to become angry. Please give us a single-mindedness of living and speaking according to your wisdom. Our Father, we thank you for your kindness, for your faithfulness, for your incredible mercy through the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the promise of your word that as we come near to you, that you come near to us. That as we humble ourselves before you, that you do indeed lift us up. Our Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.